Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here today, and I just couldn't hold off any longer on off-season chat and free agency chatter and uh, roster manipulation and all of that stuff because a rumor has appeared in the wild. I do want to begin uh, by making a quick note on uh, the the kind of silly way in which this has happened because I saw the whole thing from beginning to end playing out and uh, boy, it, it really is just funny and interesting and sometimes sad, but in, in this case it's sports so it doesn't really matter that much right but how quickly something can go from a perfectly innocent and honest conversation to Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post said the Rockies are pursuing Brandon Nimmo and they're going to pay him exactly this amount which is not what happened right so what did happen was in a semi-regular piece that Patrick Saunders does for the Denver Post. You know, mailbags, we all do them from time to time in different ways. I did one on the last podcast, right? He so he was asked about Brandon Nimmo and said that yeah, he thinks the Rockies would be interested and that and then Patrick Saunders sort of speculated on what he thought Nimmo might cost or maybe even what the Rockies might be willing to pay for him. Now, a couple of things here. I've known for a while that the Rockies have been interested in Brandon Nimmo. I think Brandon Nimmo has been public. You know, every time he comes to Colorado, he gets asked about this. He grew up in Wyoming. He grew up a Rockies fan. Uh, he's a Cheyenne, for to, to be specific. Um, you know, not only that, but the Rockies have also stated multiple times publicly that they need a player who essentially fits the exact profile of Brandon Nimmo in a number of ways. I'm, I'm going to get into his profile in a second, but just to... To finish the point, I I think Saunders is rightfully connecting a few dots here and rightfully assuming that the Rockies will pursue Brandon Nimmo. Will they be able to get him? Will they be willing to spend what they want? Will that feeling be mutual? Have they even really begun that process? Almost certainly no, right? Like, like it's, 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 this is definitely more like it makes sense in certain ways. It doesn't in others. That's the conversation we're about to have, but it, it was never stated, and I saw some people picking it up, including you know my friends at uh, over at Talking Baseball, and uh, I enjoy those guys. But they were definitely some of the first people to pick it up and say, "Oh man, you know Saunders is saying that the Rockies are in on Nimmo," which wasn't really what Saunders said. That being said, would I be shocked? I, you've heard me off. You're a regular listener to the podcast. You've heard me talk about Nimmo several times already this season and now as we move into the off season. So why? Well, let's get into that. And because it's been a hard year or a couple of years or just general existence as a Rockies fan out there, I figured I'd start with the the negative sides, right? And then I'll finish on what would be good about the Rockies getting this ball player if they do. But we've got to begin with the biggest question mark on the guy's resume. There's no way around it. And that's that he's been injured a lot. And when you've already got this injury history on your resume, there should be very strong questions about whether or not bringing someone like that to Coors Field, where certain kinds of injuries or or being able to stay healthy or being able to recover can be more difficult. You know, is that such a good idea? Injuries have derailed 
a lot of great players out here in, in Colorado. And, and you know their names from Cargo and Tulo and, you know, who were more limited. Well, Tulo really derailed. Cargo more limited and, and early and really forced into early retirement. You know, it, it's hard on the body out here for a number of reasons of, you know, Charlie Blackman's been one of the ones who's been able to handle it the most, but still he debuted late and you've seen the way the production has dropped off, right? It, it's tough, especially playing the outfield. And that is almost certainly what the Rockies would be asking Brandon Nimmo to do is to come in and take over in center field. Uh, he's had injuries in 2017. He had a hamstring thing. Uh, he also had a lung collapse issue, which is scary and presumably freakish and something that, that is not like to repeat. Um, but the hamstring issues have come back up a couple of times. He also missed some time in 2019 with a, a stiff neck issue uh, and ended up, uh, he also got a bruised hand at one point, I think from getting hit. So again, freakish in a way, and you don't necessarily expect it, but you do start to wonder sort of like, you know, David Dahl back in the day, none of his injuries were really related to each other, but some guys just seem to, for whatever reason, get hurt all the time. And Brandon Nimmo has only played more than 100 games in a season twice. In the one, two, three, four, five, six seasons of, you know, really full time. He's got, in 2016, it was his rookie year. He only played 32 games because it was his rookie year. So after that, he's been more or less eligible for full seasons. But has only he played 140 games in 2018. And he played 151 games this year. So that's really good, right? That he's coming off of his best year in terms of health and number of games played. And then obviously you can't hold the 2020 season against him for low number of games played because he actually did 55 of the 60 that year. So he was healthy in the shortened season, but you know fewer opportunities to get hurt. That really is the biggest concern I have about the Rockies potentially spending uh, a big dollar amount on this particular player. The injuries are the thing that concern me by far the most. Another thing that you might be wondering is, well, okay, does this guy solve the home run issue that the Rockies have been talking about? Surely he's a 20 to 30 plus home run guy, right? Well, no, he hasn't really done that either. So the second biggest criticism of the Rockies potentially bringing him in is that Nimmo's high for home runs in a season is 17, which he hit in 2018. He hit 16 this last year in 151 games, 16 home runs, right? Uh, he also, oddly enough, led the league with seven triples. That's just kind of random, right? Uh, but 30 doubles, 16 home runs. So there's some pop there. There's some power there to be sure, but he's not someone who's going to come in and comfortably hit 25 unless he gets just sort of everything clicks for him. There's a Coors Field bump. He happens to stay really healthy, but that's not really what you're expecting out of this guy either. So those two things, I think, you know, and then for old school people who may look at a career 270 batting average and a guy who's never hit over 300 in his career and go, well, He's not a super, I mean, 270 is pretty solid for six years of, of, of baseball, of Major League Baseball, right? But it's certainly not, oh, he's this great contact hitting leadoff man, right? So what is he? Why would the Rockies do this? Here's where we get to the fun parts. 
and and this is, hasn't always been a fun thing for baseball fans over the years, but this is where you get to close your eyes and see Brad Pitt as Billy Bean in Moneyball pointing at Jonah Hill going, he gets on base. The best thing about Brandon Nimmo's profile is his career 385 on base percentage. So forget about the batting average for a minute. A 385 on base percentage, which has led him to a career OPS plus of 130. For comparison, and I'm only doing this because he's been, he was the Rockies' greatest player of late and their best offensive contributor for most of their most competitive seasons recently, right? Nolan Arenado has an on base in his career of 346 to Nimmo's 385. And an OPS plus of 124 to Nimmo's 130. So if we are going to trust these statistics when we need to, and we should, they have to apply across the board. And I've I've talked about some of their shortcomings when measuring Rockies players, but the fact of the matter is, just because Nimmo doesn't hit a ton of home runs. And just because he doesn't have an especially high batting average, don't let that fool you into believing that he is anything less than a comfortably well above average and consistently close to elite level offensive producer because of the way he manages to avoid making outs, which is really one of the most productive things that you can do as an offensive player in every inning you you right we all know this right but it's three outs that's what you get every time you as an offensive player avoid making an out you have added a great deal of production to your team and he's one of the best in baseball at this he would be comfortably the Rockies best on base guy if he came onto the team right now by again probably by like 40 or 50 points he would be His OPS plus by years, again, starting with his first full season in 2017, 115, 148, 111, 145, 131, 130. So again, very consistently above the average. Uh, And and so that's one of the things that you've got to figure. You bring him in, and then I should note, he's left-handed. With the way the Rockies roster is currently set up, they're very right-handed heavy, And I I would think, again, as currently constituted, your leadoff man going into next year would be Jonathan Daza, who is a right-handed hitting, you know, contact guy, but with certainly far less than 16, 17 home run power. He's more like two or three home run power if you're you're lucky, right? And nowhere near the on-base ability. The other thing is that Nimmo has always been a pretty quality defender. Not really a a gold glove caliber defensive center fielder, though he can make some gold glove caliber plays, but he's just been a very above above average defensive center fielder in New York, which is a big outfield. Obviously not as big as Coors Field, but it's a big outfield to cover. And it's one he's done well throughout his life, which is why he has two seasons on record, including this most recent one played in 2022, of putting up over five wins above replacement and so that i I, you know again if we're going to be modern baseball thinkers and think in terms of war and ops plus and on balance for me it really does just come back to that issue the the number of home runs are fine if he's getting on base at a 
380 clip, 15 home runs is fine. If he's going to be a table setter for presumably, you know, you're, you're hoping guys like Chris Bryant bouncing back, um, some of these young guys, whether it's Tovar or Brendan Rodgers jumping forward, whatever you might still be getting out of Charlie Blackman at the DH, right? But this is somebody getting on base in that environment at an extraordinarily high clip, and I think it does wonders for your team. In a vacuum, this is the type of hitter I have long believed would make a ton of sense to play at Coors Field, uh, right? Just the, Because the approach is going to translate. He's so patient, so willing to take his walk, so willing to see a bunch of pitches, and he can hit a mistake that, you know, he's going to be a double-digit home run guy, if again, if healthy. And so you can't just leave one right over the plate if you find yourself on a 3-2 count to the leadoff man and you don't want to walk him. He doesn't have a ton of speed. He doesn't steal a lot of bases, but he's a good base runner, good enough to lead the league in triples, which, again, that can be kind of random. But uh, he's got good, not great speed. Like his defense, it's good, not great. Uh, you know, and but it's but it's a plus. It, it is still something that is helping your ball club, as opposed to the years where the Rockies have thrown out incredibly substandard defenders in center field, Charlie Blackman near the end of his career, Ian Desmond at times, uh, whatever it may be, or even when they were experimenting with guys like Hampson and Hilliard. With Nimmo, what you've got is a guy who's been a center fielder forever. Uh, he's also played in, in the corners as well. And while, yeah, you would probably expect him now at 29 years old, going into age 30 season, you know, to start slowing down a little bit. And, and again, like I said, he doesn't have elite speed. He's not an elite defender. And so Coors might be tough on him and the numbers might come out a little bit ugly. But he's a quality, experienced defender who can make some really good plays, who's going to make the right breaks on the ball, all those things. He's not going to cost you, right? And I think that's a big thing. Uh, so... The two questions I think are are most pertinent when you're looking at this guy are how much is he really going to cost and how much do you believe in his health, right? This is where your doctors and your trainers have to get in the room, break the guy down, say, okay, yeah, the hamstring was related to this, but that's been solved or this and that. Like you've really got to have a sense, and, and especially with this Chris Bryant thing happening right now, you're going to have two guys eating up, you know, 60 to 70% of your payroll who now are both these big injury risks, who you're worried about not getting any time out there at all, and you can't really build with those albatrosses stuck around you, right? They're already relying on recovery and health in terms of Chris Bryant. So if you bring in Brandon Nemo, you better be damned sure that he's going to play at least 100, 120 baseball games for you next season. Because if he does, then he is absolutely worth the price that's being thrown around. If he's going to be a five-war player in center field, he's going to help the Rockies solve a number of problems, getting more power into the lineup, getting a lot more, a lot, and again, this is worth saying three times, a lot more on-base component into the lineup, which they need. Getting a left-hander into the lineup, which they need. And... And again, I think as much as Jonathan Daza has him beat in terms of athletic defense, I think Nimmo is an upgrade defensively as well, at least from what he's been. Again, it's always hard to tell when these guys start getting into their 30s, you know, when is the slowdown going to come? Uh, but for, for the player that he's been, when healthy, 
this would be a great get for the Rockies. And that's even before you start throwing in like all the fun stories about him coming home and him playing for the team he, he grew up rooting for and uh, which happens to be, by the way, the Colorado Rockies. It's not like it's one thing when little you know kids grow up in New York and they want to be Yankee and they're Yankees fans. They want to be a Yankee and then they become a Yankee. You're like, cool, great, that's awesome. But it's it's rarer out here, right? He's from Cheyenne. Um, so yeah, I this is a tough one. This is a, a a real tough one because the player would be a great addition to the roster. The concern over a contract, which whether it's quite as big as, as Saunders was projecting or a little bit lower because teams are worried about this, or if you know you could get some kind of incentive-laden deal that says, hey, we'll pay you a baseline of what we think you're worth. Maybe we won't start you at the $20 million plus mark, but we'll have the incentives built in. So that just based on games played, I wouldn't even make them production-based. You know, you, you have to hit a, a certain get a certain number of hits or home runs or or sometimes it's finish or be an all star or finish in you know award voting or whatever. But I, I would just say, but make a certain number of plate appearances. Like you get five hundred plate appearances, we'll bump your. Remember they did this with uh, Greg Holland. You know, it was number of games finished, and he was going to make an okay chunk of money, but I think it went from like, he was going to make $7 million that year to ended up making $15 million that year because he hit all of those incentives. I'd love to see a deal like that for Nemo, but of course he's got enough good baseball in him that I can see some other team beating you out in, in those kinds of sweepstakes, right? Of uh, some other team just saying, Hey, we'll, we'll just give you the baseline contract and we think you're going to be fine. But there's a lot of injury history here. 92 games played in 2021, 69 games played in 2019, only 69 games, nice, twice, played in uh, 2017, right? So those are your concerns, is those three seasons where he hasn't even managed to get to 100. 92 in 2021, uh, but again... So you look at the 92 games he played in 2021. He hit 292. He on-based 401. When was the last time a Colorado Rocky on-based in the 400s? He did it in 2020, and he did it in 2021, did Brandon Nimmo. He also did it in 2018. He on-based 404. And so I know it's like the least sexy stat in baseball, especially for offense it's on base percentage. Again, I can hear that scene. So he walks a lot. He gets on base a lot. Do I care if it's a walk or a hit? You know, Jonah Hill, you do not. I do not. Especially at Coors Field. And actually, strike that. Strike especially at Coors Field. Because obviously getting on base to start ball games there can, can help kickstart your offense. But we know the Rockies can score at Coors Field, right? Even with some bad offenses, we've seen them get into gear and manage to put up some numbers at Coors Field. So get rid of that thought process entirely, especially on the road. If this is a guy who's going to keep his walk rate consistent, because as we all know, the ball moves a little bit differently. Stuff that's a hit at Coors Field isn't a hit at Dodger Stadium or at Petco or whatever they're calling the giant stadium now or whatever. You know what I you know what I mean, right? These the the ball moves differently from the pitcher's hand to the plate and the ball moves a little bit differently off of the bat. But one thing that stays the same is the walk. You can draw a walk and a little bit's going to be different based on uh, you know, if you're going to be fooled 
on the road because of the different pitch movement. But if your natural approach is to see a bunch of pitches, to not swing at stuff that's close, and to get your ass on base, that could be a, a boon for the Rockies on the road. So especially if he's willing to give them any kind of home team discount or if he's telling his agent uh, the way Bryant seemed to be like, I really am very interested in Colorado and they can maybe make that happen, they should look into it. They, they, they should give this a, a real serious consideration. And I know I have said many times and, and we'll repeat again that the number one priority in the offseason has got to be the pitching. The problem is spending money on pitching almost never seems to work. So if you do have money to spend, if you've got Brandon Nimmo money to spend, if you've got position player money to spend, as I've laid out looking at the roster, the infield is pretty fantastic. And there are more infielders that are coming up. There are also some more outfielders coming up. But this is the place I've always highlighted. We talked about this with the Zach Veen thing. That's the one other element here that pushes him into the corner, which is fine. Probably for the future. You can make those decisions when you come up with it. But... Nimmo fits really well into what the Rockies are doing right now. And so, again, if it, or, or what they're looking for right now, I should say. And the money, as I've often said, for pitchers, you should be looking for diamonds in the rough. You, you can't sink this type of money into a pitcher. Even though it's your top priority, it makes more sense if you're going to spend money to spend it on a position player because position players are more likely to fulfill the, the quality of their contract at Coors Field. Unless, of course, they get friggin' hurt. <laughs> that that's, seems to be the one big thing, right? But uh, you just don't know which pitchers are going to come in and turn into a pumpkin. There's almost no way of knowing. On the flip side, there have been plenty of guys you've paid not that much who've come in and been solid. Chad Cool. I always point out how Jorge De La Rosa was a diamond. People forget guys like Tyler Chatwood. Uh, you know, who had a decent career here. Like, you can find those guys on the pitching side, and they should bring in five of them, you know. But if you're going to get go after one big-ticket item this offseason, as odd as it may sound, Nimmo may be the one that makes the most sense. If, if he didn't have this injury problem, I would say a 1,000% it should be Nimmo. You need an on-base guy. You need a center fielder. You need a left-handed hitter. And you need another good clubhouse leader like guy who's going to fit in really well here and and ener bring energy to this team that needs it and he does all of those things as long as he's on the field but we've lived this nightmare before with cargo and Tulo and and all the stuff right so it's just tough to say go all in give the guy the big contract pay him what some of these numbers suggest he's theoretically worth and then watch him and chris bryant keep going back and forth to the injury ward over the next six years while this group of internally grown candidates who are pretty good but not quite reaching their full potential just toil to, to do anything, right? That would be frustrating. But I'm intrigued. As I said at the beginning, I certainly think it's a possibility. I think it's the exact type of guy the Rockies will spend money on even if they wouldn't spend it otherwise. There are a lot of things they've always liked about Nimmo, much like the Bryant situation. And I think he's a better ball player than a lot of people have been giving him credit for. As I look through the comments, I see a lot about his batting average being okay and his home runs not being that high. And and again, I, I get all of that. Uh, but he gets on base. And it really is one of the most important things that you can do. 
for an offense. And it's not just that, you know, it's a good number, but he goes through, like he gets on base consistently. He, this guy doesn't go through slumps very often. And that's for a team that can never hit on the road. Yeah. Something I would very strongly consider, but I'd be having a lot of conversations with doctors (laughs) and agents again, trying to get that contract incentive laden, but let me know what you think. Uh, If you would rather say, kick that old demon off your back and go sign a big name pitcher, even though it's, you know, never worked out for the team before I can see saying, look, just, just, try it one more time or get the right guy, go after, you know, Rodon or whatever, like pay somebody and bring them in or, or trade for a bigger contract or whatever. I can see all of that. But again, for me, I would rather take the risk on a position player, even with pitching as the bigger need. You've got your one big ticket item. So we spent on Nimmo and then spend the rest of the off season, either free agent signing or trading for the next Chad Cool, who you hope is a little better than that right we'll see we'll see where it goes i'd love to hear your thoughts hit me up on twitter hit me up in the discord channel uh wherever you can find me let me know what you think about brandon nemo and the colorado rockies as a potential pairing up here appreciate you all for listening in make sure that you're checking out all the written content milehighsports.com and you're checking out all of the other podcasts here on the mile high sports podcast network other than that, I can only ever ask that you can continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.